Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. We are previewing the Baylor Bears in this episode, our 2022 team previews roll on. We have finally hit the teams that are in the league this year, and we have to start off with the team that won it last year and the team to pick that was picked to finish number one this year. So Dre Toll is going to help us out. We're going to preview Baylor football in 2022 right after this. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, joined by Drake Toll of Locked On Baylor. Drake, how are you, my friend? Dude, I am as far from Texas as you could possibly get in the Continental 48 right now, and I am having withdrawals as we speak, but... I had a conversation with someone today about football season and how we're like 23 days away or whatever it is. I'm not very good at math. I'm a journalism major. But this is – we're on the cusp of football season, and I don't think as a Baylor fan you could be more excited about 2022. Yeah, man. I mean, it's coming up, and I know you folks in Texas love your high school football. I'm about a month away from calling my first high school game, which, you know, it's – once once that starts up, you know, it's time for college, and once college gets going, you know, it's time for NFL. So just kind of – all rolls into it. And I guess um, with Baylor, you know, it's really interesting because you have to start with last year when you talk about this year, right? I mean, I think the idea is, can you parlay what happened last year into this year and into beyond? And I don't think the necessarily the reputation of the conference is staked on that happening, but I do think there's a certain element of um, what happened last year was awesome with Oklahoma State and Baylor considering what was happening with Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. And it would be really awesome if that kept going. So do you think that there's, you know, I'm not saying the team feels this or anything. It's just two guys talking. But you think there's kind of conference-wide pressure for Baylor to be good once again to make sure they hold off Texas and OU, but also they present that image moving forward. They are a, or can be considered a national power. Yeah, in a way, I think it falls on every single team to prove that without Texas and Oklahoma, this conference can still be competitive, not just with each other, but on a national scale. So Oklahoma State going and winning a New Year's Day game last season against Notre Dame was huge. Baylor going and winning the Sugar Bowl against Ole Miss, also huge. How well can these brands stick together nationally when OU and Texas, your two biggest money makers, are gone? Baylor is a part of that. Do I think that they are the the cornerstone in that? No. If if Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State are the, are the only three teams to win Big 12 titles for the next 15 years, they do so successfully, especially beating teams outside of the Big 12. I don't know if anybody's going to care that it is specifically Baylor mm-hmm. being successful. But if every team can stay out of the Kansas seller, if there can only be one Kansas, that's the key to the Big 12 still being respected across college football. Why is the Pac-12 dying right now? Why does nobody care about the Pac-12? They like seven Kansases. The whole bottom half of the conference can kick rocks. No one cares. They literally put them at 1 a.m. I think they'd resent that, but okay. Probably so, but they literally put them at 1 a.m. so that people would watch their football games. Like, oh, we're going to call it after dark, and it's going to make money now, and it doesn't. So I don't know if it's Baylor being necessarily a successful program, but it's at least treading water, and Dave Arena is going to do so much more than that. So for me, Hell yeah. Let's go win some freaking football games. In the grand scheme of things, too, I think a healthy Baylor only helps the core of the Big 12, as it would for any of these teams being healthy. So um, let's just talk about this 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 group this year. Uh, do you think they should have been picked? Well, let's, I'll just ask you. Did you pick them to be to finish number one in the league this year? 
I, in my second year as a voter for the Big 12, uh, it was my first year to pick Baylor as the number one team in the Big 12. I felt, Josh, I felt like a homer. When I did it, when I filled it out, I was like, is anybody else going to do that? And I'll be honest with you, I thought the answer was no. I was actually kind of surprised that Baylor was number one in the Big 12. I don't know if you were too. Um, not, not, not shocked. No, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's like Oklahoma has run this league for so long yep. that, that I think they deserve that respect. And also I'll just, I'll tell you this, Drake, like their schedule is really easy. Right. That that's kind of why we're, you know, it, because I think the thing about this league this year, it's, it's so even that's yeah. the one thing about, and I think, I think this is going to hurt us the national conversation overall. Like, I would be really surprised if Baylor was able to match what they did last year, just because there is some attrition and they're switching quarterbacks and they lost two tremendous players on defense and they lost some tremendous players on offense. Yeah. And like, I think, I think there's a version of Baylor in November that looks like the version of Baylor in November we saw last year, but maybe October and the September aren't the October and September we saw last year, if that makes sense. Mm. Right. Like, I, I don't think I think the finished product might be great for some of these teams. I think we have to work. The thing about Texas and Oklahoma, like those schools have some work to do before they get yeah. to kind of what's the finished product. I think Baylor is starting from maybe a maybe a better maybe a better point. I don't know that for sure. So to answer your question, like long way to answer your question, like you know, to put yeah. it back to you. I mean, I think one, two, or three would not have been surprising to see in either of those places. Also, about the Vegas win total right now for them over under seven and a half. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the um, thing. Vegas does not love Baylor to win the Big 12 title. You're looking at right. similar odds. I think Bet Online has like Baylor and West Virginia tied. And that really is the true parody at the Big 12 conference this next season. Josh, if West Virginia finishes third in the conference, I won't be shocked. If West Virginia finishes eighth in the conference, I won't be shocked. If right. Kansas State's the same way, Texas is the same way. Texas Tech, if they end up winning four conference games next year, I won't be floored while some people out there would. I think, and again, it's the parody of the conference. For Baylor, their issue. Here's why I don't. I didn't have Baylor. I put them number one because you're kind of obligated to, and they have at least a shot. But right. I didn't think they'd be there because if you look deeper into the schedule, Baylor goes to Morgantown. They've never won there. No matter how bad West Virginia is or how good Baylor is, there's a force field once you enter Morgantown where <laughs> Baylor just can't win. Now it's Thursday night game too, so it's funkier. So Morgantown, you don't win very well there. You go to Norman. You go to Austin. You're going to Ames. You're going to Lubbock. Holy crap, man. Like dissect that yeah, right there. Yeah, they have they they drew and also not to mention a non-con they go at BYU. Yeah. So you're looking yeah. at those six road games and you're telling me that of the five conference games, even if you exclude BYU, of those five conference games that Baylor's going to escape that 4 and 1 or 5 and 0, oh, which is probably what they need to do to win the Big 12 conference. That's a big ask for anybody. I don't think last year's Baylor team goes four and one or five and oh in that stretch on the road i really don't yeah i mean you, you're gonna you're gonna be asking them to you know once again at byu at iowa state at west virginia at tech at ou at texas um if you if you go four and two in that stretch that is fantastic that is really successful that is awesome right and we've seen teams get caught we we saw oklahoma state last year get caught at jack trice albeit controversially they get right. caught at jack trice right we know West Virginia can, like you said, it's a force field for them. We all know that it's really tough to go to Oklahoma and win those games. And look, that game's either going to be at noon or it's going to be at night. There's a chance it could be either one of those. And obviously the big matchup at Texas. And look, that one's a crapshoot because we've I mean, we got no clue how good Texas is going to be right. at that point. But really a lot of this, 
let's talk about the big choice, the big decision that Dave Aranda was asked about. And for some reason, his second question at Media Days, the first question Dave Aranda was, Dave, what are you reading? The second question was, tell us about your quarterback situation. Uh, that should have been flipped. So, you know, I agree with this more. I think this was the right move to go to Blake yeah. Chapin. I think Drake, it's my my opinion that this team is going to need more from its offense this year than it needed from last year's offense. Yeah. And because of that, th- this this move reflects that reality, I think. Do you agree? I think a big part of this move is the ceiling of Blake Shapin. Gary Bohannon is pretty much, I don't want to say he's maxed out his ceiling, but he was getting there. He yes. is a player that was not necessarily winning you football games. Baylor was not putting their entire offense on Gary Bohannon's back. Instead, it was Abram Smith or Treston Ebner. Gary, at the same time, wasn't losing you games, except for TCU that we don't have to talk about or Oklahoma State on the road. But (laughs) if you're asking that of your quarterback, hey, don't win us games, but don't lose us games, you just need somebody who can stand out there and not turn the football over, which is what Gary did for most of the season. Blake Shaven's the opposite of that. His ceiling is so high because he can go out and pass for 400 yards in a football game and no one's going to be shocked. You saw him in the Big 12 championship game, completed his first 17 passes in that one, broke a record in that facility. Josh, I don't know if you know this, but at AT AT&T Stadium, they play NFL football games every Sunday. Alabama plays there in their little Chick-fil-A kickoff. That's in Atlanta. Whatever they play there in the early seasons. The Cotton Bowls play there every year. Every Texas high school football state championship is in that stadium. Blake Shapin has the record for most consecutive completions of all of those things. So obviously he's got he's doing something right. So uh, to go back to your first point, holy crap, the questions across the board at the Big 12 media days, I was floored. Some of them I was like, what's happening right now? Who's, whoa, not everybody gets a microphone. Number two. I, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Generally speaking, the bad questions come from the TV people. I mean, they uh, ask some softballs. Oh, also, not just TV, but like out the weird, the random markets, like the West Virginia or the Iowa State, where it's someone from like Des Moines, and you're like, Des Moines, why are you here? Or the random, like, how did you sneak in? And after post that, I was thinking, okay, when's the question coming about realignment or quarterback? Now that we know what Dave Aranda read, sweet. Then you get into the conversation about Blake Shapin and Gary Bohannon. And first, Dave talked about person over player, right? And making that decision yeah. when he did for Gary Bohannon to go to USF, which behooves Gary Bohannon looking in the for, looking forward. And I think it, it behooves Baylor. This is a riskier decision, Josh. It's a much riskier decision because you already know what you're going to get with Gary Bohannon. But Blake Shapin's ceiling is higher. Dave Aranda is betting on Blake Shapin. And I'll tell you this right now in the offseason, here's your new update kicking butt can't say the a word kicking butt right now lifting every single day to the top of those charts i mean he's that guy in the locker room when you have a guy best shape of his life is that what you're best saying? shape of his life that guy is like no he's like the opposite of eddie lacy in the offseason he gets better <laughs> and i think that's gonna go a long way you're gonna mm-hmm. see gary bohannon haha Contrary to what I told you on your podcast a month and a half ago, Gary Bohannon could have never been the Big 12 quarterback, first team all Big 12. Blake right. Shapin has that ceiling. Will it happen? I can't guarantee it, but it's at least possible. Yes. And look, that that's what I'm saying. You know, what I'm trying to say here is really like if Blake Shapin goes into next year and we're like, that's the best quarterback in the Big 12 for sure, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, yeah. what I think is it might take a few growing pains to get there. Because that's that's the thing about this is like it's gonna you know the receiving core is relatively new. And I'm, I'm looking at this. I just I just ran the numbers while you're talking there. Um, Twenty seven hundred yards on the ground, and I believe let me get a total. Twenty three touchdowns is what they're losing in the running department. 
Uh, yeah, no, that's not good news. Thank you for for saying that. Here's here is the good news. Twenty, what did you say? Twenty seven hundred yards on the ground and twenty three touchdowns. Yes, you get twenty seven hundred yards on the ground and twenty three touchdowns back via your offensive line. So Xavier True. Newman Johnson. Yeah. That's a guy that you lose, but at the same time, you get back Khalil Keith, Grant Miller, Connor Galvin, and Jacob Gall, and Xavier Newen Johnson probably is going to be replaced by someone better. So your O-line is going to be even better than it was as the best O-line, according to PFF, which I hate PFF, by the way. I can't say that. I don't hate anybody. Yeah, that, that's that's Jeff Grimes' effect, right? Because, I mean, that that offensive line yeah. was you know really bad in 2020, and they overperformed there in 2021. And so I think their true value is somewhere in the middle. And Absolutely. probably on the higher side, right? And that uh, Eric Mateos, Jeff Grimes, done that's like flip my house, fixer upper, whatever they did yes. day one. They came in and they're like, ah, we're just going to change everything. And it, it right. worked. So you get four of those five guys back. And that at least, Baylor's going to have a running back by committee. It looks like three or three guys that are truly going to get uh, pretty even snaps until somebody comes to the forefront of that. But Jeff Grimes isn't going to ask you to go be an Abram. Look at a Oh, Josh, Abram Smith was not a running back. He was a linebacker, but his offensive line was so freaking good that he felt so comfortable he could blossom into one of the best running backs in the Big 12. There's no reason Baylor doesn't have that again from at least one of the guys that they throw out there. So that that gives me confidence. If there's one position that I want to have back next season, it's the entire O-line. I mean, that, that just gives you so much continuity. I think Baylor's in good shape there, but you're right. Receivers, you got none. That You mean, you have Baylor. Like half the names on there, you're like, oh, that guy plays for Baylor, and running backs right. is a pretty, it's a pretty similar scenario. So look past that to Blake Shapen in the O line, and you feel okay. But whew, you're right. No, thank you for making that point. Great point. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of brings the question: like, how much of a guy like Armani Winfield are we going to see? Right? I mean, it's a guy's freshman, his four star. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and it's good, it's good and bad. Why right? it's good and bad to have a guy like that there? You know, you want to see a young guy like that play, but also. That means that there are some holes that he has to fill at that, at that, that age. Um, quick break here, then we'll talk some defense here. Today's show is brought to you all by BetOnline and BetOnline.net. Go to BetOnline today, and you all can place a wager on whether or not you think Baylor will win the requisite seven and a half games. They can't win that many, so you can bet whether they, they will go over or under that number right now. You can bet on them to win the conference. Uh, you can bet on anybody you want to win any conference over at BetOnline. And betonline.net. Best place to go. College football futures, Major League Baseball. Want to bet on Juan Soto's next team? You guys can do that as well. Bet online, NASCAR, F1, UFC, Bellator, boxing. They got it all. So bet online is where the game starts. All right. So the one thing we can say about Baylor is that they probably the best offensive line in the conference. Yeah. Probably the best defensive line in the conference. I mean, oh, this thing, not close. Top three. Cole Maxwell, Siaki Ika, Gabe Hall. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, Drake. We'll get your thoughts on this. I voted for Siaki Ika for Defensive Player of the Year preseason. Yeah. The reason why I did this, and I don't, you know, like, I'm not sure. This was not me predicting he's going to win. I don't think he will win it. But I think guys like Felix and Odike Uzama is going to get better numbers. That position lends itself to. But a lot of the times, your job as a, you know, as a guy who's uh, interior defensive lineman, and especially for a guy who is the the nose tackle, the interior yeah. defensive lineman. Uh, your job is sometimes not to tackle people. It is to draw one or two more, you know, uh, two, sometimes one to two guys, disrupt things, create lanes for other guys. He is the most disruptive player, I think, in this conference right now. The numbers might not bear that out. He's got a slight edge over Anu DK Azama. I think he will be the most disruptive player this year. 
So uh, your thoughts on that defensive line anchored by Siaki Ika? 100%. The defensive line is they, they're just a wild bunch of dudes, man. They're, they're tough <laughs> to corral. That, the problem with Siaki Ika, yes, being the defensive player of the year in the Big 12 is that a, a defensive lineman could be triple teamed if you want to every single play. If you really want to go at Aaron Donald and and make sure that guy doesn't get back to you, Aaron Donald can be stopped you know, nine times out of ten with a triple team. Siaki Ike will be the same way. Even though he's on the interior, they'll they'll find a way to stop him, whereas a linebacker may have a much better shot at cleaning up plays, getting tackles. But when you have Siaki Ika and Gabe Hall and Jackson Player, and the list goes on and on and on and on of the guys that Baylor's going to throw out there from defensive end to interior and defensive tackle, nose guard, and the different linemen that you'll get, that that's scary. I don't care who you are. Those guys, segue, are like a bunch of coyotes. Uh-huh. Or coyotes, I don't know. I think it's a hockey jersey. I just bought that it. Is, that like is it. a hockey. That's the that yeah. is the Arizona Coyotes. Okay, well that's news to me, man. They're like a bunch of coyotes on the defensive line. Look at that, it's a cool logo. Bunch of coyotes really on the defensive logo. line. They're going to go out there and just run wild. I mean, you you like line me up, line Texas up against Baylor, dude. Have you seen Texas O line? Bijan Robinson's it's, great. They've they fade in games. That's that's what they do. Who's they, going to block for Bijan Robinson? Who's going to do that? You and me. We could probably walk on right now and at least have a fair <laughs> shake. I need to put on a few more pounds if I can do that. I've I'm, seen you. I'm, get, I'm getting there. I'm good. <laughs> um, problem for them is they've lost a guy in Terrell Bernard and also a guy in Jalen Petrie, who I think are going to be yeah. two awesome players, and he can't just replace them. Good news is Dylan Doyle is a DJ. fantastic player mm. in the middle of this defense. Matt Jones as well at linebacker yeah. is going to help them out. Uh, but what are you going to do in the secondary to replace? Now, here's what I'll say you know, to the defensive line point. Uh, oftentimes, your best pass coverage is the guys up front. And if they get home, uh, you don't have to play much pass coverage, right? I mean, that, that can sometimes be an equalizer in terms of how, you know, how good your corners and safeties have to be. But, you know, uh, what is, what's the strategy there trying to replace some heavy hitters, if you will? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there and say, if we could just do like a thing where the secondary doesn't play, maybe only have like eight guys on defense every game for both teams, like sign a contract. That'd be dope. Uh, (laughs) Josh, it's not good. It's, it's not great. You have some versatile linebackers, like you mentioned, and Dylan Doyle, Josh White coming from LSU too, and Matt Jones, the secondary though, uh, a guy who could bring you back production from last season was a, one of the team leaders at that as well in Christian Morgan, um, and then, oh, Josh, Josh, it just gets thin really fast. You're missing guys, like even Raleigh Tejada, who last year I wasn't the most excited with. I didn't see him and think, oh, man, he jumps off the page. Did he get drafted, or did he get signed by someone? Tejada signed, signed, yeah. So Tejada's gone. I never once, no one ever threw the ball at Tejada where I was like, ah, yes, you threw the ball at Tejada. You're screwed. No, I mean, it was, it, it became a tough look from time to time for that guy. So him being gone is is something I just, man, I wish that I could sit here and I'm sure there are a lot of hosts. They're going to get on here and they do their team previews and say like, oh, this is, you know, these guys are going to rise to the occasion and, and maybe Baylor has that. But I'm going to be honest with you right now. I, I just don't see this secondary being elite and there's nothing that I've that I've seen across this roster that would make me think that they are going to be elite. You're going to need to stop. The, you're going to be able to stop the run with what Baylor has up front. 
But then past that, if teams want to go deep on you, I just don't know if we have an answer. Because even in the spring game, you're looking at guys in the first string with Blake Shapin, all the way through the third and fourth string quarterbacks that were having a lot of success throwing the football. And it's like, okay, is that because the fourth string quarterback is really good or the defense is just okay in the secondary? That's going to be a problem. Get to the quarterback, get to him fast, but screen play to the outside, foof, foof. Josh, if other teams are able to do it successfully, if they can open up the top or even run just okay to the point where Baylor has to focus on two things at once, that's where Baylor's going to lose football games, especially on the road. All right, so Drake, uh, I ask everybody this prediction. What do you think the end the, the Baylor Bears end up record-wise? I'm I'm kind of trending towards eight and four. I think eight and four, and I, I'm not sure it's like a I don't think it's a bad eight and four. I don't think yeah. it's eight and four. You should be like, I, I know Baylor fans might be disappointed. Pick to finish first, but like th- them being picked to finish first, you know, as you and I talk about it, that's a huge reputation one. That's what it is. That's, that's, that's Dave Aranda built something that people were really impressed by. And look, I'm not saying this roster can't do it, but like maybe 2024 or 2023, excuse me, is the year that we're like Baylor. I, th- I think there's a chance, and I think maybe they're building towards that. What, do you, what are your thoughts on, on them maybe building towards that big year next year? I know they're going to lose some, but especially on offense, I think they need a year to reset. Yeah, first, shout out Al Walcott, too. Defense quarterback. Yes, Guy's yeah, going to be solid. I like Al yeah. Walcott. Uh, Schedule-wise, though, for next season, game at BYU on the road. There's where you – I'm going to be honest. Josh, Baylor could go 11-1 and next season. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be like, oh, my gosh, call the press. This is insane. Baylor could go seven and five next season. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I would still not be shocked. Mm. Not because they are a true seven and five football team. If they played all 12 games at a neutral site, they're probably 10 and two. But Baylor has struggled on the road. Dave's going to have the guys ready to go on the road and play. But it just seems like that weird historical thing where there's not really been a point in time where Baylor's just been like, yeah, you know, they're world beaters anywhere they go. So you had that blip late in the Bryles era, but. Even under Matt Rule, it was like, oh, God, a road game. So it's it's the the weird years where you have OU at home, Texas at home, Iowa State at home, West Virginia at home. Those are great. The off years, whew, that's where Baylor went 2-7. and seven. And a big part of that, Dave Aranda's first year, was being on the road for so many games. So now I've given you the 7-5 and five to the 11-1. and one. I think the ceiling is 11-1. and one. I, I don't see Baylor going 12-0. and 0. I, I'm gonna meet it at nine and three. I feel like that appeases okay. both of those. So Baylor at nine and three. I think your losses probably come. I, I wouldn't be. I think Baylor does end up going to BYU and getting a big win. If they lose that, you I'm worried. So? I, I think they might get smoked in that game. They could. They I think there's a chance they might get smoked. Eight o'clock game to eight p.m. That's game, a great, so it's like yeah, a that's kind of, it's like, there's, I mean. It's you a played Albany in game one, right? In the exactly. Game, right. So what's your what's your big preparation? I do right. the reason I think they they probably sneak away with one at BYU is just still the talent gap there. You saw it last season when BYU came to Baylor. You could tell they, those guys were gassed in the yeah in the yeah. There's there is a difference. I, I don't know if it's as pronounced. I agree. And I, I think it's I think I, it's, I do. I believe. I think a wide. I, th- I think I think the skill positions. I think I think BYU is really good. I think their offensive line got a little bit better too. So. Definitely, and that's in the trenches. I'm where that, game way, that might be the game I'm most pumped for in non-conference. Like, I mean, I know Texas Alabama is all ready for it, but like that game is going to be awesome because also it's going to be a conference game. It's going to be upcoming. Oh, sell out! Yeah, they'll sell it out. It'll be yeah, they'll do like it'll a be wide awesome. out. Yeah, it'll be. And Baylor is going to be probably top fifteen going into the year, right? I mean, yeah, I mean they're going to get overranked. We all know that how this stuff works. Like preseason rankings are a joke. Um, but like the fact that Baylor is going to have a big number next to his name or smaller number, which is you know better number next yeah. to their name. Uh, 
going to be exciting at a place like Provo. Yeah. Oh, I think Baylor is definitely, I, I see them coming in in the 18 to 12 range, somewhere mm-hmm. in there, 12 on the high end, 18 on the low end. I've seen them at top 10 for like big game boomer, but it's big game boomer. I like the guy, but the AP poll does not reflect anything that he's ever done in his life. Uh, and so <laughs> looking at the schedule, though, that, that, that BYU game's huge. You lose that game, you might go seven and five. That may spiral you into not being able to win on the road. But across the uh, across this schedule, I do go nine and three with losses. I think out of Texas, the, what we already mentioned, those five games, the Texas on the road, Oklahoma on the road, West Virginia on the road, you go to Tech and to Ames, Iowa. I think Baylor goes probably two and three in that stretch, or if three and two, they slip up like they did at TCU last year against one of those random teams. You're like, oh, yeah, shouldn't bad. have lost that. Yeah, yeah it was terrible. That People was forget awful. about that. That was a bad, bad that game. That was a horrific loss. Baylor could do very against Ch- Chandler Morris, who was not good again, by the way. He just stopped being good after that. So uh, I truly believe, Josh, nine and three is where Baylor's going to sit next season, but in a respectable nine and three. Just because just you're going to the Alamo Bowl, don't get upset. It's okay. Probably going to miss the Big 12 championship game. That's fine. I want Baylor to go 12 and 0. Nobody out there get, I'm, I'm going to get hate mail. People are going to tweet at me about this. This, but, but here's the thing this is not supposed to be some biased preview. I'm trying to give the folks an honest read on this team. So, Drake, what they want is your honesty. So, yeah. You know, you know look, on, on Locked On Baylor, you can preach the choir. On here, we want your honest, sober thoughts. So, we appreciate your candor here on Locked On Baylor. Well, you're going to, I'm telling you, Josh, other people are going to be like, oh, our team's going to go 11 and 1. And you're like, you're Kansas, man. You can't please. You're Kansas. So I'm trying to be as reasonable as possible. I say, Josh, last season I said six and six, and Baylor went eleven and you know ten and I actually, two. I did the same thing too. I said yeah, Baylor went twelve and two overall. I said six and six. So right. I hope I'm wrong at nine and three. But if I'm not, I'm still happy. Josh, did you know? Did you know this? Baylor was very bad at football for a very long time. Did you? Know I, that? I I heard. I heard. And even recently, Crazy. they had some bad years in there as well. Crazy. Uh. Drake, where can people find you and your work on all of its variety? Uh, that right there at Drake C. Toll. Almost more importantly, though, at Locked On Baylor on Twitter. Twitter is the biggest avenue, in my opinion, for spreading locked on news and stuff. SEO, YouTube, all that stuff is great, but Twitter's where you build your actual following and a base of people that keep up with you. So if you'd love to keep up with Baylor or you love Baylor or you love college football realignment and expansion, we are doing a ton of that right now. Content out the wazoo. Also on Wednesday, we made a case of why Blake Shapin will be the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Come prove us wrong at Locked on Baylor on YouTube or wherever you find your podcast. That's a bridge too far for me. We appreciate your time, Drake Toll. Thank you so much, man. (laughs) Dude, always a pleasure. Uh, you got to invite me to more your your little roundtables that you guys do. Your little exclusive well, roundtables. <laughs> we're picked first. You were godfathered in. I mean, look, this is here's the thing. We're gonna lose. John, we're gonna lose John Williams, right? It's happening. We're gonna lose John, obviously, to the to the, to the SEC. Yeah. Right. John is out the door. So there are going to be, and we're losing Jonathan Davis as well, who's come on that sometimes too. So I like that guy. But but we have an even distribution right now. We have um, Jake Hatch who is Locked On Cougars, an incoming team. We have Steven Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. When his current, internet works. A, a, a current team. And then we have John Williams, Locked On Sinners, an outgoing team. Three separate perspectives there. And so when those guys play ball, I play ball with them. There are opportunities. Don't don't, don't act like you're, you get left out. I've, I've extended the olive branch, all right? You'll be the only one. Yeah, I've been like three of them, and I kicked butt. And then you were like, no, Baylor's <laughs> too good. No, there was the one where you, you made the point about, I forget what it was. but yeah, Gary Bohannon the, being the best no, quarterback no, in the Big made, 12. No, 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 no. 
you made the point about oh, there's that one too. You made the point about not having a conference championship game in the Big 12. Oh, yeah. To which I replied, that is what got the conference not included in the college football playoff when TCU and Baylor were vying for that spot. One true champion when they had two true champions. Three letters, so, Josh. S-E-O. You just got to say stuff sometimes, and it works. Uh, all right, Drake. Thanks.